If I'm going to be the best I can be in the workplace, I've got to be the best that I can be myself. And for me, I was very lucky to find running because it gave me the opportunity to be the best that I can be. Hello there and welcome back to the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. I'm your host, Sam Hind, and today you are in for a very special treat with a very special guest who is a very special friend. I am going to be uh, introducing to you today the beautiful Jill Stapleton, not for the first, but the second time on this podcast, but there is a change and that is this. Whilst the last time we interviewed the amazing Jill Stapleton, she was the CEO of the Direct Selling Association of Australia, the first female appointed in the organization's history. And she shared a bit about her journey and her passion for both this industry, but also into the role that she was in. Today, however, things for Jill have changed quite substantially and I am so excited to be able to have her come and share her current journey with you. As you would know, I'm very passionate about moving as a female in business, whether that is running, swimming, walking, exercising in some way, shape or form to take care of ourselves. Jill is equally, if not much more passionate about this than even I am. And she has recently released her first memoir, her book, Running in Circles, where she shares her journey of beginning running at 47 years old and how she has now completed 12 marathons and is continuing on on a very exciting journey that has not only helped her but given her a whole different picture of what being a female in business really looks like. So if you want to hear from an incredible businesswoman who has gone on a fitness journey later in life and learned so much not only about herself but about business, you're going to love this episode. So get ready, sit back, have your cup of tea or coffee ready, maybe go on a walk and enjoy the episode. I know this one's going to be a really powerful, really impactful episode for many of our amazing listeners. So tune on in and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. I am so stoked and have been looking forward to this interview for so long. Uh, I am bringing back in a very special human being, great friend, uh, Gillian Stapleton. Welcome on in, Jill. It is so good to have you come back and join us. Oh, Sam, I'm very excited and flattered by your words. We are good friends and it's great to be back and, and to recreate a new chapter with you. Oh, look, I'm so excited for this conversation, um, but I need to kind of call out the elephant in the room. A lot of our listeners may recognize your name or your beautiful face. And so I want to clear a few things up because we have, in fact, had you on this podcast before but in a slightly different capacity. So, Jill, you used to be the CEO of the Direct Selling Association of Australia, which is where you and I first met, and you shared an amazing story there on that podcast episode, well worth going back and listening to, of course. But you are no longer uh, CEO of the DSA. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your journey over the last, I'm going to say, what is it, eight, ten months now? Yeah, it's probably 
longer than that, Sam. So thank you for that. I had the best time uh, as CEO at the DSA. I thrived on representing particularly women at a very high level um, with regulators and government. But there comes a time when you wake up one morning and it was April of last year and I just had been contemplating and thinking. I'd been at the DSA through COVID. It'd been very challenging and um, I decided, I've been thinking about what next for me and my family and my husband has been retired for some years and I woke up one morning and it was clear as day that it was time for me to find my next act and we'll talk about that. But so in April last year, I went to the board and said, I'm done at the end of the year. I want to help you. I want to leave this in the best place. I want to help you recruit. I want to help leave this legacy that I'd created. And so I worked with the board for nine months on leaving. And I left in October and I've had a whirlwind since then, Sam. I've done so much in the, the time that I'm supposed to be taking time out. And we'll probably talk about that. <laughs> yes. um, and we will. So, I'm now at a place where let's chat about what am I going to do next, but we'll come to that. In the interim, I've published a book, what we talk about. I've traveled around Australia in a camper van, eat, um, across the Nullarbor twice. Um, <laughs> it's been amazing. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely yeah. time for me to recreate and have a new vision for me and my family. Yeah. You know, I love this so much because, um, you know, first of all, you were the first and only CEO of the Direct Selling Association of Australia in its entire history. Did I get that right? You did get that right, yeah. So to me, you you have always and continue to represent uh women's empowerment and I love this because what you've done essentially is said I recognize when it's time for me to step aside and make space but also when it's time for me to step into a new journey and pathway which is what you've done but you've actually continued on the women empowerment trail which I'm so excited to talk about today but you know I remember the last episode we did you know it was really the common thread in that conversation was your passion for women in business um, do you want to just really quickly tap back into that for a second? Because for those that haven't heard you before, you really are passionate about women in business. And I think that's kind of where this conversation is going to go a little bit today and what you're doing in that space. Absolutely. I mean, it all started um, when I stepped away from, a, again, that's interesting. I stepped away from a career that I'd worked very hard for. I'd been to university, the one and only person in my family at that point in time ever to go to university. And I'd done 10, 12 years teaching um, and had loved it. But there was again a realization that there was more to life and I wanted to juggle the family. I didn't want to be um, at that point in the early 80s or 90s, sorry. Um, I didn't want to, I didn't have the opportunity really for full childcare. And so I stepped away from uh, lecturing at, at a college at that time to run a direct selling business. And that's where I discovered that watching women grow as I brought them into my business and just giving them a little bit of training and teaching them to fly and watching them grow their businesses. And um, that gave me the passion. Uh, I'll still to this day remember this amazing lady. And I won't give you her name because she's 
probably still in the industry. Um, but she was a checkout chick on, uh, is that what you say in Australia? She, she was, you know, a Woolworths checkout chick. Checkout, checkout chick. <laughs> and um, she felt that was her life's role to be a checkout chick. And she went on to build an incredible direct selling business over the next 10 years that I worked with her. And that just gave me the passion to see how you can really teach women. You can teach them uh, to run a highly, highly effective and incredible businesses. And um, so I've continued to do that in running my business, in running other direct selling businesses. I've also continued to do it with my passion, my side hobby, my side hustles. And I see it now. I see the longevity of that in my children. I'm looking at them who are starting up their own businesses and you go, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, so it's really important to me that women particularly reach their full potential. Yeah. Someone very wise said to me today, actually, our kids do not become what we say, they become who we are. And, you know, they they really do follow in our footsteps. And I think, you know, it's it's no great surprise to me that your kids are stepping into that entrepreneurial space and starting their own businesses um, because they've watched their mum do it for all of these mm. years. But look, Jill, one of the things that you and I connected with over when we first met, uh, I was actually at the beginning of my running journey at that point um, and was just starting to find my feet, so to say, you know, pardon the pun. But uh, you um, you have had your own journey into running, which I never really fully understood until you released your amazing book, your first book. Huge congratulations, by the way, on Running in Circles. So excited for you. Um, and not only this, when I tried to get a copy of it, you'd already sold out and it had only just been released. So, um, this it's flying off the shelves, so to speak, uh, the Amazon shelves. And, um, I know that uh, I've been seeing the feedback from people that have been reading this because you are so honest, um, about your journey in your book, um, that I think it really speaks to a lot of women, but, before we get into the book itself and what it was written about and why, um, I want to just talk about your running journey. And I know the answer to this, but I want our listeners to hear it. You know, one of the things I think that a lot of people struggle with when they hear people say, oh, I'm a runner, I love running. If you're not a runner, because that was me, your response is usually, oh, you've just got the body type for it. Oh, you've just, you know, you were just built for it. You know, you're, you're just one of those fit people. That's not me. I can't do that. My body is not that, that, you know, and, and honestly, Jill, you know, you and I have got very different physiques. I am much taller and much bigger bone than you are. And so that of course was one of my little stories as well was I'm just not a runner. I wasn't built to be one. And I said that for many years. So I want to just come back to something for a moment because I learned something about you. Were you always a runner? And when did you start and what inspired you to start? Well, I was never, I was never a runner. I was never good at sport in school. Um, I never had a sporting lesson in my life. I was one of six children and, um, there certainly was no money for, you know, any sport activities. And in England, you certainly didn't do Saturday sport and have all the equipment. So no, I came to running, um, really because of direct selling. So I was. Yep. Having built my business in the UK and learning to say yes, which is one of the messages in the book, say yes to opportunities, I was offered the opportunity to come to Australia 
to be the CEO of a small direct selling business. I'd never been a CEO before and to bring all my family out to Australia. So I just said yes, because you know, if something's worth doing, you've got to be really frightened of it. And I heard that on a podcast today of, you know, if it's not scary, don't do it. And um, so we'd spent five or six, five or six years in Australia. I was learning to be a CEO, learning, um, learning Australian because people think Australian is the same as English. It's not. Um, <laughs> I put kids into high school. Um, so life had been crazy busy. And then I realized that I had no time for me. Um, and when you, when you raise a family in a small community, you get to make lots of friends at drop off and pickups and stuff. But when they're at high school, you meet nobody. And when you're working full time, you meet nobody. And as a CEO, you can't really be great mates with your, you know, all of your colleagues. So I realized one day I was, I was just a bit lonely. I miss my girlfriends. I miss my mates. So I saw this advertisement on the television uh, for a, a running charity called Cantu. It's now across the country. And they said, come, come and join us for 12 weeks and we'll teach you to run. And so I went, yeah. I'm really frightened of doing that. Again, it was a scary moment. And you'll read about it in the book that I turned up at this cold, cold oval in Willoughby, sort of just north of Sydney. It was freezing cold in July. And I had no idea. Did the warm-up lap, uh, which was three laps of the oval, which I now know is 400 a lap. I didn't at the time. And at the end of it, I thought, I did good. I, I got through it. And then they said, that's the warm-up. Now we'll start the training. And I'm like... Gotta be kidding me. I did laugh when I read this. <laughs> so that started my running journey. And um, I just that night met Helen, who's become, you know, a superpower, a great friend of mine. We've run together for many, many years. And I had to learn how to run. I do believe you have to learn. It's not just about putting one step in front of the other. There's an awful lot of direct selling in running. There's an awful lot of mind games and self-improvement and self-development. So it was a marriage made in heaven for me. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's it's so true. You know, it does start with one step in front of the other as far as you need to get your body into it to begin with. But when you start that process, uh, it then does become more of a mind game. And someone, again, very wise said to me when I was at the start of my journey with running, and I'm nowhere near, by the way, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give you guys a bit of an update on that shortly. But the, the funny thing about it was that they said your body can go twice as far as your mind says it can. And, you know, um, we, we often get caught up into in, the, in our thoughts. For me, running was actually not about my body at all. It was about my mind. And I actually started running personally to beat depression. That was where I started. I had a newborn baby. I, like you, had done no exercise really in my life. I hadn't, the one sport I'd ever done was, as a young kid was swimming. Um, and I'd actually become a very good swimmer. But the thing about swimming is it's almost the vast opposite to running as far as the way that you use your body and, and your lungs is concerned. And so I'd been trained for that, not for anything um, that was on the road. And so anything cardio-wise as far as running or, or anything like that was not my thing. And so, yeah, for me it was I need to beat um, – depression and the way that I did that was to move myself. And uh, and like you, I sort of got to a point in my life where I went, I, I need to step into some fear here and try something I've never tried. And so it was actually something I did completely on my own without anybody around. 
uh, and a pram. <laughs> it was me and a pram with a newborn baby. So that was kind of where mine started, but it started with a block that turned into two blocks that turned into three blocks and, um, and then built up from there. But what I really love is you've related running to your business journey. And I really want to talk about this because people might be wondering, why have you pulled someone in to talk about running on a business podcast? Well, let's talk about that for a sec. How do you see running relating to business or a business journey and uh, the the running journey that you've been on? And again, you talk about this a lot in the book, but I'd like to yeah. hear, you know hear a little bit of this from me. And it's interesting, Sam, because I had no idea. And I, I, I commend you for the running and, and the reasons you came to running. That's a very common story. And um, it really does make a massive difference. Um, obviously, I'm no medical professional, but um, it has a huge impact on your mental health. And, and that's one of the business things. Mm-hmm. For me, I was a CEO. I was a little bit, you know, um, out of my depths, maybe, again, doing scary things. And running for me was a way to process what was going on through the day. So that's slightly different to depression, but I needed that time. But running for me is about if I'm going to be the best I can be in the workplace, I've got to be the best that I can be myself. And for me, I was very lucky to find running because it gave me the opportunity to be the best that I can be. As I got into my running journey, I realized that I was very goal-driven. I hadn't really realized that before, although I had in my direct selling business set goals and tried to win incentives. But setting goals in my running was like setting goals at work and having this strategy of this is what we do over the six to nine months. This is how. And so setting targets for my first, it was a 9K race seemed massive to me. And it's, it was aligned to building a team at work, motivating a field force. Um, and it meant I had to work out the steps to take, how to get there, what to do. So it was a strategy for me. And, but I think what really helped my running journey was the, uh, and everybody asks me, and I will say now that I'm not in the DSA, who, who was your business with? It was a company called Weekend. It was a Canadian company. They're no longer in existence. So I can talk about them now. I, I still believe they had one of the best self-development training programs on the planet. And I do give acknowledgments to George, the founder of that business. And he's got a copy of the book and I'm quite nervous. I'm waiting for feedback from him. Um, <laughs> That's, that's scary for me. Um, he taught us so much about self-development, and I've put a lot of those practices into the book. So one of them you can see, and I know, Sam, you've seen this before, but is my elephant necklace. So whenever I'm yes. faced with a challenge at work in running, it's how do you eat an elephant? Yeah. It's massive. It's this massive thing. How do you eat an elephant? You just break it down into bite-sized pieces. And for me, running and business are the same. How do I run a marathon? I do it one step at a time or one kilometer at a time or whatever works in my brain to do it. And the same with work. Same through COVID. As I was running the DSA, we had a, everybody had a stressful time in COVID, but we had businesses who had no income. They couldn't do their meets and greets. So we, as a DSA, representing that peak, you know, the industry had to put in place strategies to help CEOs who were really stressed. So again, it was the same thing of breaking it down into bite-sized pieces and working out how to help the CEOs, how to run a marathon. To me, it's exactly the same. 
That's so true. You know, it's you mentioned that the reason that you started running was a little bit different, and it, it's really funny because I think a lot of people, um, you what the reason that you start to get into something doesn't end up being the reason that you end up continuing doing it. And so for me, yeah, it was about the depression side of things. Actually, I'd gone into the doctor and he'd said to me, you like, you know, I'm going through a fresh divorce. I've got this tiny baby. And he said, you're, you're going to need, we're going to need to take care of your mental state here. And his, his indication as is, you know, and I'm not dissing the medical profession, but um, you know, in this case, it didn't feel right for me. And I think that's what's really important is knowing what's right for you. But he'd sort of gone straight down that road of we need to look at putting you on medication now, knowing that you're going to be struggling with this this life change. And I thought to myself, I know exercise releases endorphins. It makes you feel good. I don't want to do it. That's a good reason to do it. So I'm going to get out. I'm going to learn what foods to eat. And I'm going to learn how to move my body. And if that doesn't work, I'll come back and I'll talk to him again. But I'm going to try that first. And so I just started that process of walking the block. Now, when I eventually um, started my business a few years later and I got into this new rhythm and routine and I'd learned how to run a little bit, I realized, and by the way, I did escape depression. I didn't need to take anything. I managed it, which I'm super proud of. It was such a big achievement for me at the time because I had everyone standing there going, when's she going to fall into a heap? And it didn't happen. And the beauty of that was when I did go into business, which was my first time going into business, and we'll talk about that shortly, and and health, business, exercise, all that sort of stuff, I now had this little routine where I knew that to clear my head like you, Jill, all I had to do was go outside and run. And the thing I love about running compared to any other um, exercise I could do was I didn't really need anything other than my runners. So I could have them in my handbag or the boot of my car. And it didn't matter where I was in the world, what I was doing. If I found 30 minutes spare in a day, I could throw my runners on quickly, chuck a different top on and off I went. Um, and I didn't need any equipment. I didn't need anything else. I just had the road, the air, Breathing in the fresh air for me is big. I hate treadmill running, by the way, because I I like seeing new sights and breathing the air and getting out and feeling my feet on the foot the footpath. So for me, it's just a way to escape, mm-hmm. not escape uh, all the craziness of business, but to decompress my mind. Um, and I'm not very good at this whole meditating mindfulness thing that people keep talking about. So I wanted something that allowed my body to keep moving, that let my mind rest. Um, but I do want to so ask got, you a little bit to, about. Oh, okay, I just got to jump no, in. You go, go, really, go, go. You made a really important point there that we miss, and I missed it in the book. Is intuition? Is following that fit? You followed the feeling that you knew what was right for you. So when I quit my teaching job mm. to do direct selling, I got oh criticized no end. You're going to do what? You know, you're going to do this. You're yeah. giving up this. And, but I followed my intuition. You followed your intuition. Same with me with running again. People said to me, if you don't run, it's going to, you know, going to mess up your knees. You're going to have this injury, that injury. Oh my gosh. I'm like, oh. So many people. Yeah. yeah. And they say <laughs> about direct selling. They say about running your own business. Yeah. And you've yeah. got to know what you want to do and be strong in that. And yeah. yeah, I really commend you because you, you stuck to what you knew. And that's what I want women to realize today is don't listen to that listen to this yeah it's so important in business yeah, and in running it's critical it's such it's an important point for business running and parenting can i just say as well i've learned that along the way as well you actually already know what's best for your kids it's just that we question everything in our minds yeah. and it's funny because um 
part of the reason I held back from running for so long was actually, um, believe it or not, my mum had said to me, um, just you just have to remember, realize that you just were not born to do some things. You're just not capable of doing some things. You are not a sporty person. She said, you are not a runner. Your body was not built for running. And I remember my stepdad actually coming up to me the next day. He sat down with me. I was sitting on the um, lawn. I was looking at the lake where we water ski, watching the kids water skiing. And he sat down next to me and he goes, what your mum said yesterday, and by the way, they're both marathon runners. So they've done the London Marathon, the New York Marathon, like these guys run. And he sat down next to me and he said, what your mum said yesterday, she shouldn't have said. He said, are you serious about running and you want to have a go? And I said, yeah, I really am. And he said, then I want you to know this. I will, I will be by your side and I will coach you and I will run every step of the way with you. Um, but he said, no one can tell you you can't do something. And I was like, whoa. And this is a guy who I didn't know terribly well, by the way. He's my stepdad, but we'd never really had a relationship We've actually developed a relationship through running. running. It's been amazing. So we now train together and chat um, in my late 30s. I'm not going to tell you exactly what they are, but it's just been such an amazing, amazing time. But it's just a reminder that just because the world tells you you can't doesn't mean that that's true. Um and, you know, we got to the point of running a half marathon and, and you know, here I was thinking I won't be able to run a kilometre. And so, you know, you just... Don't know what you're capable of doing, but you're right, Jill. So many people, and we've all heard it, running is bad for you. My personal trainer at the time, family members, friends, clients, were all saying, oh, running is so bad for your body. Do you know what's bad for your body? Sitting on the couch on social media and not doing anything. I've actually had more injuries from really super random things like doing a box jump at the gym or going for a kneeboard or, you know, tripping over the cable of the TV than I've ever had from running. So I think, you know, we've sometimes that intuition, we've got to stop. And it doesn't mean it doesn't come with fear, right? Hmm. But it is really important that we listen to it because we know what's Very best for us. Yeah, we do know what's best. And I mean, again, I relate it back to my direct selling career. My mum, you talk about your mum giving you advice. When I quit my job and we started direct selling, she didn't speak to me for three months. She's like, oh. You know, I was yeah. one of six who'd gone to university as a teacher and I was on this pedestal. And you've always got to be careful because there's only one way off a pedestal and that's to fall. And um, she just she just couldn't believe I'd give it all up to do direct selling. But I kept saying, but this is for me and the family. This is to raise my kids. This is." And she came around. She came around when she saw it was successful and I was thriving and I was doing. But again, you've got to trust your gut. Yeah. yeah. You do, do what's best for you And I think the reason that time. people come around, that's right, I think the reason people come around eventually is actually more to do with the, your conviction than anything. And when people can see that you're truly convinced, convicted and passionate about what you're doing, they no longer question it. Mm. It's when they can see that you're questioning it that they have questions, particularly your close family. And so sometimes it's just about that commitment to the process of actually I really believe in this and remembering this one thing, we've said this so many times on this podcast before and I've had amazing guests talk about it as well, but you got to remember it's your journey, nobody else's, and it's no one else's responsibility to follow that journey but yours. So people are going to disagree with it. They're going to have things to say about it because it's not their path. Their path is their path. Your path is your path. And if you feel that getting off your backside and having a crack at running is is possibly part of your path, then do it because 
you, if, it, if it's on your heart to have a go, if you've always thought to yourself, I think the way to know this, Jill, is if you've always gone, I wish I could do that. You've looked at other people and gone, I wish that was me, but it's just not. I think that's probably a good indicator you need to give it a go. <laughs> oh, and I think, again, back to direct selling because that's in my blood too is I'll never forget the first my first medal. I crossed the nine-kilometre Sydney Harbour Bridge run. It was nine kilometres at the time. I got this medal placed around my neck. I was 47, I think, 48 at the time. And so that's when my running career started. Quite happy to say that. But I likened it to when I won my first incentive on a direct selling trip, when I won my first little pin, you know, and that, that feeling of recognition, it never goes away. And that instant gratification of I've, I've done the work, I've achieved something and I've got recognized for it. It had been through my direct selling career. I just never expected to find it in my running career. And, And now I fly halfway across the world just to get a tin medal. It's the same thing as in my direct selling career is if you're striving for something and you know you're committed, you can do it. It's just this that takes the work. Mm. I I just want to come back to something you just said, though. You made mention that you actually had your first running achievement. So really when you first started running, you were 47, 48 years old, somewhere thereabouts. I think that's a really important part of this journey for people that are listening to hear because I'm going to come back for a little second to what I talked about before. Now, run, put running aside. Let's talk about fitness in general or, or exercise in general. Um, and I'm speaking from my experience. When you're somebody who knows that you're not um, taking the best care of your body and you know it's that – voice in the back of your mind that's going, you should be doing more, but you're not, but you're not capable, but you don't know how, all of those sorts of things. I want to remind you, number one, it's never too late. Number two, you're never too far gone ever, ever, ever. Um, But number three, I want to ask you this question here, Jill. Did running feel natural to you when you first started? (laughs) You're kidding me. I don't. I was I'm so uncoordinated and it definitely did not feel natural. It was hard work. It was commitment. And, and sometimes I used to go home and just lie on the couch and my husband would just shake his head and go, why are you doing this? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so no, it was not natural. Um, I had to force myself in that first year um, to I fell in love with it as I think every, nobody, I don't think anybody takes their first step in running and just is born to run. I don't think you are. I don't think that's, you know, you don't love it, but you do fall in love with it, with the process, with the feeling you do learn to. And I think, um, I I wish uh, my only regret is I wish I'd taken it up earlier. I'd have probably got some great times maybe. Um, but I realized I needed to move more in menopause. And that's one of the strong messages. I was beginning to sit at home, have that glass of wine that turned into two, wasn't eating as good as I, you know, and, and menopause has all these things on you. And for me, it was a way of not only thriving at work, but also coping with menopause. And that's not an easy thing. Um, and it gave me strategies of, you know, when I wasn't feeling great and there's a lot of times in menopause when you don't feel great, you could just go out and do a 5k run. And it sounds, I say that now just a 5k run, but I had to learn to run 5k's. So, you know, that's not easy, Yeah. but there's a lot of stuff that can help you do that these days. Um, and you certainly don't need to use, join a running group, but I think you're right. You've got to... You've just got to say, if there's that little voice inside you, people listening now go, 
wish I could run 5K, then you just got to do it. Start tomorrow. And I've had a group of women just recently join a team that I'm doing. They've gone from naught to 5Ks. It's taken about three months and they've all hit 5Ks. It's absolutely achievable at any age. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's funny, uh, there's so many things you can do now that weren't even available to me when I first started running, but there's so many little running groups uh, for Mm. all different ages in every city. Um, There's also the park run. And the thing I love about the park run, which is everywhere around the globe, it happens every Saturday, it's five kilometers. You can run or walk. And, um, you know, we um, talked about this uh, the other day, Jill, I'm now uh, 20, nearly 21 weeks pregnant. And one of the things that I wanted to do was try and continue running as far as I could through the pregnancy. And I, I, cause I was, I've got this big fear of going back to where I was the last time I was I had a baby, which was nearly 11 years ago, which is where I started. That's where my running journey started. And I thought, I don't want to go back there. I want to, I want to try and keep a bit of that so that, you know, it's easier for me. I don't have to start all over again. And so I'm celebrating the one kilometers now. I'm just getting excited about the one Ks. And, you know, Greg and I went out for a little run the other day. Let's face it, pelvic floor, not coping quite so well anymore. But you know what? I fist pumped at one kilometer. I was like, there we go. I'm going to get one more in and I'll be so happy to do two today. And then we walked for 5K. But, you know, it's little achievements, guys, and it's about your little achievements. It's not anyone else's. It's yours. And, you know, I know Greg could have gone 10K and would have been quite happy. But for me, I was like, that's an achievement for me right now. That's all it needs to be, right? It's the small wins. And again, I keep coming back because the book is intertwined with direct selling. And I remember Anne, one of my, she was my, um, uh, she recruited me into the business and she used to make us celebrate all the little wins. Even, you know, if you'd been set a goal for the month, she said, so how are you going to reward yourself? Whether it be a fantastic cup of coffee or she used to buy lipstick all the time. So I've just bought a new lipstick because I did this or that. (laughs) But I think it is about rewarding yourself and celebrating yourself for the wins. I know in direct selling, we we look for the external gratification as well. But more and more now, certainly within my running, it's about congratulating myself for the 1k and this morning I went out I did not want to go out I just I procrastinated I knew I'd got this on I went I've got mm-hmm. to go and um went yeah. out and bumped into a neighbor I haven't seen for three months bumped into so the, the run went for much longer than it should have done because I kept pausing my watch <laughs> as um, they often do they're the best ones <laughs> <laughs> but I connected with people while I was out there you know I ran to the beach saw some amazing you know it's just oh for me it's just teaches me to thrive in all areas of my life it's an exploration I find I I find that really any fitness is like this but running in particular for me I love to explore and it's an exploration of both your environment of yourself Um, I've learned so much about myself just through that fitness journey which actually was never intended to be a fitness journey it was intended to be a mental journey to try and take care of my mind Um, But it's ended up being learning a lot about myself physically. And, you know, as a woman, and I want to go here now because you said this to me before we went live with this podcast, it's so important that we move. And, you know, coming from for the first, um, you know, 22, 23, maybe even close to 25 years of my life, really, I didn't move at all. I I was a high-level corporate 
worked my backside off. I was a mom. I was married. You know, I had all of these things going on in my world and I wasn't moving because I didn't make time for it because I didn't understand the importance of it. And you, Jill, are really passionate about women uh, moving. Why? Can you talk a little bit about why that is so important, particularly for women in business, which is most of our audience here? Yeah, it's, it's, there's so many reasons why we talked earlier, role modeling the right behavior, you know, to, to your colleagues, to your friends, to your family, that you, if you don't take care of yourself, you know, we often talk about oxygen mask on self. If you don't take care of you, how are you going to look after your colleagues at work, run your business, look after your family? And a really mutual friend of yours and mine came to running and um, I haven't asked her permission to use her name, so I won't, but I inspired her to run. She was running for many years. She's a professional speaker. She, and she got really good at running and then she got really sick. She had a blood infection and she rang me after this blood infection. And this is why it's important. She'd been in hospital for over a week and she was told by her surgical team, her doctor team, if she had not been in the best health that she was because of her running and her fitness journey, she would not have survived that. So she rang me to thank wow. me for inspiring her to run because she had got her body moving and she was in good yeah. condition to fight off this other illness. So if that doesn't get you running, nothing will. You know, it's making yeah. sure you are the best that you can be. Um, so that when you do have to yeah. face challenges, and, and in my book I talk about, you know, I've had to face some serious health, not personal health challenges particularly, but, you know, my husband was very sick, but I was in the best frame that I could be to deal with that. Yeah. Um, but if you're strung out yeah. and stressed and overweight and eating badly and drinking too much wine, you don't cope with all of that. But when you're on a running journey and you've got a goal and you've set yourself a target like you do with direct selling, you've go, I'm going to win this incentive or I'm going to do this, that and the other in my business. It's the same in running. Set yourself some goals and I'm always setting way too many goals in running, but they keep me on track. So it means if I go out for dinner like we did last night, I go, oh, I can't, I can't have that wine because I'm going to run today. So, it's, you know, it's great. It's great for me. And at my yeah, age, and I think we talked, um, I was just going to say, sorry, for my age, I'm, I'm going to be quite honest, you know, I'm 63 I'm still running half marathons and full marathons. And so if I can do it, every single person listening to this podcast can. Yeah. You know, it's it's about training ourselves in all areas, right? And I think it's about discipline. So, you know, whether it's running or business or anything else, um, being disciplined um, about your own behavior is something that you, it takes a lot of practice. And if you can't be disciplined in one area, it's very hard to be disciplined in another. And so for me, it was about practicing that discipline of, and my stepdad and I had this rule, which was rain, hail or shine, because we were training for a half marathon, that was my dream rain, hail or shine, we go. And uh, we did. Like it, there were times, and we live in Tasmania. It's cold here, guys, in winter. Winter was actually our best training time because summer, for us, we're not so used to the heat. So summer got a lot harder. We actually really struggle in summer. In winter, we can go out. And again, he's also got this thing where you never wear your jumper or long sleeves because you get hot. Um, you always get hot because you internally heat up. So we have to start all of our runs, even in near snow, with just our singlet on 
Um, and that's hard, but you know, it's a lot of discipline. And once you start, it's amazing how momentum takes over. Um, and I, I really love that. I really love that process of you, you know, I was talking about this with lives yesterday, actually, we had a group of people that had to do their first Facebook live. And I said to them, the first 30 seconds is like the first two kilometers of a run. It sucks every time. I don't care how long you've been running for until you get into the first couple of Ks. It's hard every single flipping time. It never changes. I don't care how long you've been doing it or where you're doing it. First two Ks is hard because your body's warming up. And then suddenly you get on a roll and you don't want to stop. Um, and it's like that with your lives, guys. So, you know, it's sort of, it's a discipline, right? It goes with everything. Yeah. It's, it's a commitment. It's achievable. Um, and I think, I think I love the idea that you've, you've likened it to a discipline. It is a discipline. Um, but it's one that pays off tenfold, you know, cause it pays off in your personal life. It pays off in your business life and it's going to make you live longer. So, you know, why wouldn't you? do something. And if it's not running, and again, I talk about it in the book, not everybody listening is going to go, I'm desperate to run. I hope you are, but it could be pickleball. It could be anything (laughs) as long as you move, you know, it doesn't matter as long as you find something that you're passionate about. Yeah. So true. Um, I've actually, I've got to mention something here that was actually, we talked about kids a little bit in that, um, you know, setting an example. You know, my kids, one of the things I'm really proud of is that since, um, you know, that sort of changed for me maybe 10 years ago, my kids have observed me and been a part of, because I've taken them on park runs often, even if they want to walk, I don't mind. But they've been a part of that. Even if they haven't done it, they've observed me taking care of my body. But they're really, and, and um, by far, I am not I, you know, an athlete, I'm not a, you know, I just consistently every week make sure I do some, at least one, preferably three things to move my body each week. But my son, who's now 13, uh, probably about six months ago, I'd, uh, we were camping and I found a park run nearby and um, I went off, did the park run, came back and, you know, the kids had just been chilling out and they often go, why do you do that? You know, like it's, you've, yeah, well, don't you just want to sit down and relax and rest? It's holidays. But Aiden actually said this to me when I came back. He goes, Mum, how was your run? And I said, it was really great, thank you. And he said, good, I've noticed something about you. I said, what's that? And he said, I've noticed that when you run or do any exercise, you are in a much better mood when you come back. And so I really think it's a good thing for people to do is do exercise. Sam, it's such a good observation. My my husband's the same. If I haven't run for two or three days, he'll say, I think you need to go for a run. You know, I think it's time. And Greg will do the same. He'll tap me on the shoulder and go, Do you want me to watch the kids tonight for you so you can go do something? (laughs) (laughs) But you talk about the effect on your kids. Um, And I just want to say, chapter 10 in the book is is my favorite because um, my kids had watched me run for 10 years. And like your son, they were just quiet observers, I thought, until, um, and you'll find the story in the book, but they both ran New York Marathon with me. Now, my kids are not runners, but they both ran because it was going to be my 10th in 10 years, which was one of the big goals I sent. And um, we managed to get entries. And my two adult children ran around the streets of New York for 42 kilometers 
with me. And you'll see the stories from them. At the, the, the end of that chapter, if nothing else will make you laugh as a mother, my two children are like chalk and cheese. So I asked them to contribute to the book. And I said, what, what did running the streets of New York, you know, why did you do it? And you'll, you'll listen to Shelby talk about why she did it. Very altruistic. She was working for a charity. She wanted to raise money and give back. And my son's, my son's comment was, well, it was May and I'd forgotten to give my birth, my mum a birthday present. So I thought that would be a good birthday present. <laughs> so it's, it's very interesting when you talk about your son watching you and observing. I had no idea mine were watching me. But also it goes further than that. My colleagues and work colleagues and as I talk about people that I've inspired to run, I don't think I've left an organization yet where I haven't inspired others to run and take care of themselves. Yeah. It's not about the running. It's way bigger than that. And it's yeah. also the conversations you have. I've had some of the most inspirational conversations with work colleagues on a 5 or 10K run. And um, yeah. that, to me, is far more important. Absolutely. And, you know, even things like uh, one of the things I discovered with running is anyone who's run before knows about the Strava app. In fact, if you uh, cycle or even walk, a lot of people use the Strava app because it, it can track, you know, how far you've gone, your speed, your pace, all of that sort of stuff. But the great thing about it is that other people that are also active, whichever of those things they do can see what you're doing. The funny thing is I've actually had quite a lot of people that have connected with me over their stories through that and you know even um a mutual friend of ours at the dsa um you know whenever uh you know i caught up with her only a couple of weeks ago at the direct selling australia conference um uh, in sydney and she straight away picked up she goes oh, i saw that you you know your, your runs have changed a little bit she said what's changed and then she looked at me and went i can see what's changed and <laughs> so we got chatting and you know it's this amazing um connection that you have with people without ever really having to have big conversations but you know like you said just chatting alongside shoulder to shoulder with people can be one of the most incredible experiences and you know like i said having a running buddy every now and again if you can get away from that feeling of, oh, I've got to run at someone else's pace, if you can can that thought and just run with someone at whatever that happens to be and chat with them, um, it's amazing how much more you, you can actually get out of a relationship than, than you know, having a coffee or a wine. And I've yeah. learned so much about people through running, even my own husband, because we chat a lot while we run. Um, and you know, some of the stuff, some of the problems we solve, by the way, because our, our minds are in a whole different space is amazing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's but we've got therapy. really off track. I do, I do want to. <laughs> That's all right. It's yes. free therapy. It's, it's, it's business coaching. It's, it's life therapy. coaching. It's fine. <laughs> it is. And I want to talk about self-sabotage for a little moment, Jill, because, okay. uh, again, coming from where I was 10 years ago and, and, you know, at times where I've sort of fallen back into that again, you know, self-sabotage and comfort zone, I think, are really two of the biggest enemies of fitness and health. Because if we don't, if we know right now there's something we need to do, it means we need change. And in order to change, you know, we've got to get really uncomfortable. And being in that comfort zone um, is, 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 you know, it feels like a pretty good place to be. So my question to you is, if somebody right now is struggling with comfort zone and a bit of self-sabotage and knows right now 
now that they probably need to to move more in some way, shape or form in any way, you know, what would you suggest as a piece of advice from Jill um, to help people overcome these things for the benefit of their own well-being to get out of that comfort zone? That's a great question. That's a great question. And Sam, I was really guilty of self-sabotage in my direct selling business and I got called up upon it by my founder, George, who I mentioned earlier. So I hadn't really identified that in me until um, I'd run a direct selling business for several years. I think for me, it's about finding um, a bigger reason. So one of the reasons I stay with running and I'm committed to running is the community, is the people I meet. Um, so for me, it's about connections. Um, so I, I, going to park run, I moved house about four years ago and going to my first ever park run down here was really scary. That it had to be out of my comfort zone. You walk into this situation where you know nobody. Um, again, it's not unlike starting your direct selling business when you really don't know what you don't know. But I think it's, it's understanding that everybody started somewhere. None of us actually know it all. People look at me and go, well, you must know it all. And I don't, I don't actually know a great deal about running. Um, not the mechanics of it. I just know how to do it. Um, and I mm -hmm. think for people to find a bigger reason, is it find out why you're going to do this? And keep that bigger goal in front. So you've always got to have a goal above the goal. That sounds stupid. Yeah. But again, in direct no, selling, you, 100 with you. Yeah. you get it? You don't go, I'm just going to book another presentation or book another Facebook Live for tomorrow night. You've always got a much bigger goal, something bigger you're aspiring to. And I find that with running is that's what I need is I always need something else that is tangible to get me through those difficult times. If I don't have that, um, and I didn't have it just recently. I've been floating around since I finished at the end of the year. We went traveling and I'm like, I'm just like, don't know what I'm doing. And then I woke up one morning. I went, I, I need to commit to something uh, for my own well-being. And so committed to Sydney Marathon in September, as you do. Um, but it got me out of the slump. It got me out of my comfort zone of just running 5K if and when I felt like it. So mm -hmm. for me... And we, you and I talked about it, but it's got to be something that makes you a bit fearful. Like, oh, you've got to take a breath. I've got to do this. I've got to do it. And one of the things that I talked about at a recent conference that I uh, presented at was it's got to feel like you're jumping off a waterfall and inventing the water on the way down. Yeah, That's how scary wow. it's got to feel. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you go, Wow. Um, and that's what it felt like for me when I finished as CEO last year, jumping off a waterfall. I don't know what I'm doing right now, Sam. I'm, people say, what are you doing now? I go, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm inventing it. I'm in my third act of life and I'm <laughs> going to create it. So I was yeah. in a comfort zone. I, I could have probably stayed at the DSA for another four or five years, but I recognized that I was in this comfort zone. I needed to move out of it. And the only way I could do it was to, you know, resign. And now I'm in this. I don't know, gray zone. I don't know where I am, but that's okay. I think it's okay to be scared and to not always know the answer. Um, slightly digressing, but I think comfort zones, you've just got to push through. You've got to knock them down. You've got to find something yeah. scary and then decide you're going to do that. And then you find other little goals along the way that take you to the bigger goal. 
Yeah, so good. You actually have just um, sort of summarised into uh, two of my next questions all in one right there. One of which was, you know, what do you, what would you say to people that feel stuck in their business right now? And the other one was what's next for Jill? I actually love how honest you are about not knowing. And I think this for me is a breath of fresh air because I think we have so many people that come onto the podcast and I love them, but they they tell us about, um, you know, how amazing everything is now. Here's the journey from before, but everything now is is glamorous and glossy and amazing. And the thing is that it's never that way. You know, we're, we've always grown, but we've always got the next challenge ahead. And, you know, in your case, you've been really honest by saying, hey, you know what? Um, I, I have jumped off the waterfall and I'm not got to the bottom yet and I'm inventing the water right now and this is what it looks like. And, yeah. you know, you've written a book in that process. You're still running marathons. I know you've been doing some amazing trail running as well and you've travelled around Australia You're doing all of these things but the question is what's next? Well, <laughs> you're inventing yeah. water on a waterfall. Yeah. I love that. and I I think that's true even when you are in, when you're running your direct selling business, because I know that's your audience. There are many times in my direct selling business where I didn't quite know what was next. And I think sometimes Mm. that's okay. You admit that you don't know, tell people, because it's amazing how many thousands of people out there at the moment right now, Sam, are giving me advice on what I should be doing next. I'm like, no, actually, I don't know. And I'm okay with not knowing for now. Um, because it's again we back to the very beginning of the podcast follow your intuition follow your passion and um and if you're not following your passion find out why and find that because for me i'd said for 10 years thanks to keith abraham who i know is a great friend of yours i said to him 10 years ago i was going to write a book and i kept saying i'm going to write a book and people kept saying to me when are you going to write that book and then i sat down last year and went i'm going to write the book um so it's okay not to know and not to always yeah. be in control. As women, we yeah. want to control everything and you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's interesting because I think following intuition is very different from being in control. And and I love that. I think intuition can sometimes be not yet. Intuition can sometimes be don't dive. It can be, it's not the right time. Um, so it's, it's interesting because we think, I think particularly as women that we always need to be doing something that there's always got to be uh, clarity around next move. And while I think there has to be clarity definitely around the way we use our time in the moment, we, you know, we, we need to be organized with our time. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you, Uh, you know, one of the things I think I really learned over the last few years was being able to adapt and being okay with that. Um, You know, we've been through a crazy, crazy time, the the entire world. We're not going to go back there and talk about that. But the bottom line is for some of us, the reason we struggled so much was because we weren't in control anymore of what was going on around us. And, you know, that reminder that Number one, we can't control the what's going on externally, but we can control our response to that. And number two, being okay with pivoting and adapting. And I know I'm using those words, which everyone's like, stop using those words. We're sick of hearing them. But it, it's so true. You know, we're, we're all, uh, intuition sometimes is going, it's okay to adapt and change what I'm doing here. Yeah. I think sometimes, Jill, it's just simply going to be a matter of following the intuition and knowing that that can be, I don't know where I'm going and that's really super okay. So I really love that you, um, 
you recognize that. And I think that that's such an inspiration for so many women that might be listening to this right now. Sam, I, I think that's one of the critical things I've learned from running marathons. And again, many people will know that, you know, I, I was, I was involved in the Boston marathon in 2013 when the bomb went off. I had planned to run that marathon. We knew what time we were on a mission. We were running. We were pacing ourselves. Everything was going to plan. But then circumstances beyond our control, being a bomb, uh, stopped us from completing that race. Then you've got to pivot. You've got to, you've got to follow your intuition. You've got to know what's right to do. And you've got to, it's, you said it brilliantly, Sam, about choosing your response. So, that is that our response was, we're not going to finish today. Yes, we had a pity party. It lasted a couple of hours. And then we went, hang on a minute. We're very lucky to be alive. We're very lucky to have been given this opportunity. And every marathon that I talk about in the book had a different outcome. There, there wasn't all <laughs> sunshine and roses. Um, even though you can have the best plan in business and at home to do what you want to do and follow your intuition, sometimes the plan, the universe has a different plan. And I think that's the key. The key of the message in the book is you've got to be adaptable. You've got to be ready to respond and change direction um, because sometimes it is just beyond our control. Now, Jill, if we've got people right now that want to know a little bit more about how they can follow your journey and more importantly, how they can get hold of this amazing book, because I'm sure everyone listening to this right now is going, I want to read Running in Circles. How do I get that? So, we are going to put some details in the show notes, but can you just share with people um, maybe how they can uh, follow along with you, your journey, and get hold of that amazing book? Great. Very easy. Um, I self-published, so it's on amazon.com.au. Just Google Running in Circles, Gillian Stapleton, and it will pop up, and you can get Kindle or a published version. Um, so really easy, and some of the proceeds from the book are going to the Indigenous Marathon Foundation because I wanted to give back to another running community. And they can follow me on Instagram. I have an Instagram called Running in Circles 42 because it's 42 kilometers of a, uh, a marathon distance. And I share, that's very personal. That's just me showing up every day, whether I do a run or don't do a run and sharing stories. And um, so follow me on that. Ask me any questions through Instagram. Um, very happy to take messages. Um, but the most important thing is for everybody to think about starting somewhere. Download an app, Couch to 5K. I think you mentioned it. I cannot sing highly enough about Park Run because you meet community and you meet like-minded people yeah. and you hear some incredible stories at Park Run. I think if there was ever a place to start running, it would be Park Run. It's just such an amazing yeah. organization. I think you meet people there from all walks of life. And actually, um, I've had some really memorable experiences of park run just with strangers, but there, there are some people that you won't even know that will inspire you. Um, you know, there's this guy who is in his, I'd say he'd be in his probably late seventies. And, um, I watch him every week that we go and, and, you know, he's the guy that I follow. This this guy's got this shuffle. He hunches over. He's very consistent. And the funny thing about him is at the start, he looks like he's going really slowly. And he sort of is, but he's so consistent. Every single week, he overtakes me, no matter how fast I'm going, because he just stays on pace and he, he's head down and he's so focused. And this guy, uh, I connected with him for the very first time last week, actually. And he told me that he was about to have a break to have hip surgery. 
Um, but he's done over 250 park runs. When you work that out by years, that's incredible. That's massive. So, you know, he, I just said to him, you inspire me every week. I love watching you keep doing what you're doing. Cause even if you don't know you're impacting people, you're impacting people. So yeah, I can't speak highly enough a park run. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, Jill, I got a couple of really fun questions for you. You've answered these before, so I'm sure you've got different answers for us okay. now. Um, so I'm going to ask them again. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question one. What is your favorite book for the Accelerator book list? Now, we already have one, but you're going to give us another one. So Running in Circles is my current favorite. So you can give us another one. I'm going to give you another running book. Um, it's called The Long Run. Um, it's a memoir by Katrina McKenzie's Pike. She's a Sydney author. I just finished it. It's a memoir, but it's also the history of running. And it's, it's an, again about women empowerment. It's about how can you believe women were not allowed to do the marathon until 19, I think 72. Now that's my lifetime. Wow. Up until that point, women were told, um, it was not good for them. They couldn't do it. But the, the other reason I think the book is incredible is it talks as well about Avon which I have a very dear, passionate relationship with Avon. I think they've done so much good for women. But did you know they started the women's running movement in America? They sponsored women-only running events and got women running in America. So here my, my two worlds of passion collide again. So it's called The Long Run. It's just a great, great read. I love that. All right, well, I'm going to check that book out for sure. Uh, and that's an amazing piece of knowledge. I did not know that, but there you go. This industry, I feel like, has got all of these amazing little uh, and nuggets and secrets that you discover along the way, and it's just so impactful in so many spaces. Um, Jill, if you could have a superpower, any superpower, what would it be and why? Yeah, I'm struggling with that one. That was like, whoa. Um, I think... A superpower for me would be to listen better. I want to have a super listening power. I think I talk too much and I really want to listen more and listen to women um, to be able to understand them better. So, yeah, I, I think these days I'm now learning I need to listen more. That would be my superpower. Do you know, it's funny you mentioned that because another really great running friend of both of ours who actually met through the DSA was Oscar Tremboli, who is the deep listening expert. And he's been on this podcast a couple of times and shared strategies on how to listen better. But he's also in the midst of that shared probably some of the most wise running tips I've ever, ever had too, because he used to be a marathon running coach. So there you go. Yeah. I think that's um, another little tidbit for you. So favorite quote, Jill? My favorite quote, and I, I, it's in the book I talk about it, is how do you eat an elephant? You know, how do you face a problem? How do you strategize over something big? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And that's why, Sam, I've still got my elephant necklace on. I run every marathon with this on. Yeah. And I face a big challenge. I think, come on, break it down, Jill. Small bite-sized pieces. That's how you get everything done in life. Parenting is another one. You know, how do you parent children? It's hard work. So you just break it down into small bite-sized pictures and you take one day at a time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my quote. It's been my quote for yeah. so many years. I think as I've gone into the teenage years, it's been one hour at a time, but it still works. <laughs> <laughs> and the very last question, Jill, she knows what I'm talking about. You've been there, done that. 
Uh, if you could go back in time, I'm actually looking forward to hearing this from you. If you could go back in time and say one thing to your past self, Jill, what would that be? That's what I thought about when I was running today and it's never struck me, but it's okay to be different. I would tell myself it's okay to be outside of the square because I realized through, yeah, it, I was growing up as one of six um, and, you know, my mum and dad divorced when I was age 11. So that was 1971. And nobody in my school came from a divorced family. Nobody even knew what the word was. Mm. I always felt like an outsider. When I took indirect selling, I felt a bit like an outsider. And, and then I suddenly realized it's okay to be different, to do things differently. And I wish I'd thought about that when I was 11, not now. So, yeah. That's such a powerful piece of advice. I love that. Um, this has actually been so much fun chatting with you again, Jill. Thank you so much, so, so much for joining us um, and, you know, sharing your current journey uh, and all of this amazing wisdom uh, with our audience. I know this might have been a little bit of a challenging episode for some, but I think for those that it was, I'd, I'd really encourage you to ask what is it that it's saying to you? What's your intuition telling you about that? So, I yeah, I've really appreciated having you here. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you, Jill. Sam, I think your authenticity on this podcast really shows that it's you're, you're so aligned with empowering people to be the best that they can be. And this may not be totally business related, but well done you for just asking some of the difficult questions because that's how people then... Uh, can move forward so great thanks so much for having me today i really enjoyed it yeah such an honor and as well of course thank you to our beautiful listeners for tuning in again this week we really appreciate you and if you love this episode make sure that you share it with a friend uh, or of course share it on your social media and don't forget to subscribe um, we'd love to make sure that you don't miss out on any of our upcoming episodes but again thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to spend this time with us. It's been a real honor um, to be a part of your day. So thank all of you. We'll see you again next week and bye for now, everybody. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there.